0: Many times we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. to take charge of whom you really are, and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Laura Redmond.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and I'm really excited about today's show. As we were listening to the introduction, I was struck by The line that says, are you living the life that you want to manifest? And here's how to do it. You have to be embodied. You know, we're giving you information every week on this program that is not only about physical embodiment, but very importantly, it's also about spiritual, emotional, and mental embodiment. And today, oh, all of you love this woman, as do I. She is such an incredible pioneer in the spiritual world and the literary world, and her name is Penny Pierce. And if you missed our other shows, they're on the website. They're incredible to go back over and listen to. And if you're tuning in for the first time to learn about the work of Penny Pierce, I am so excited to introduce her formerly. Penny Pierce is an articulate and accurate clairvoyant empath, visionary, author, and popular lecturer. She is a trained, specialized in, she is a trainer specializing in intuition development, inner energy dynamics, expanded perception, and transformation. Penny works throughout the United States, Japan, South Africa, and Europe since 1977, she coaches business and government leaders, psychologists, scientists, celebrities, and those on a spiritual path about the hidden dynamics of what makes for true success. Penny is the author of 10 books, and she lives in Florida. Welcome back to the show, Penny Pierce.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for all that. It's, it's really fun to be back.
1: Well, as a pioneer in the intuition development movement, your new book is extraordinary. And the name of Penny's new book is Transparency, Seeing Through to Our Expanded Human Capacity. And before we went live on air, we were speaking about The brilliance of the word transparency, which Penny was saying we're hearing in the news a lot now, but I'm struck by the fact that, Penny, you have always figured out what is really going on just under the surface of the psyche and the subconscious, and then you name it, and we all go how did she know this this is the <laughs> language that we're all experiencing but she knew it before we did so i just want to open the show by allowing you to say what you feel the word transparency represents and how you chose that for the title of your newest book
2: yeah you know, i the word has i actually looked back through my previous books and it was sneaking in all the while you know i would it would come in in a paragraph or actually, I think in my last book, I had the last chapter was called Accelerating Toward Transparency. And then I forgot all of that, you know. And then when I thought of writing a new book, it just popped into my head that this, is, this was the thing. And, um, and then I thought, well, this wouldn't be a very long book. There's not much to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started outlining it, and I thought, oh, it's still a short book. And then I started writing it, and all this material came out of nowhere, it seemed like. Um, and it turned out to be bigger than my other books, so you never know. But I, to me, transparency is two things. Um, first, I think we all associate the word with um, information. You know, it's like, especially today... Are, are we having access to truthful information, or are we being lied to? We don't like lies anymore. <laughs> you know, we are see, starting mm-hmm. to feel immediately when something like that is being hidden. So secrets and lies and, and hiding and, you know, all, masks and things like that, we're like, um, we just can't stand it. And I think that's because the world has accelerated to such a level that those things can't really stay hidden anymore. Um, so, in, in, transformation in terms of infor- information um, it, it has to do with, you know, getting rid of all the fear that's involved in communication. And um, so that's what I've been calling horizontal transparency. But there's also vertical transparency. So, um, horizontal is in the physical world. It's in, still in the information age. It's about information. Vertical transparency is about personal development where you realize that you don't have a soul. You are a soul. <laughs> you are the soul right now. And it's always been there in the middle of your body and in your mind. It, it's, it is you. So there's a kind of a merger of the spiritual and the physical realms, the non-physical and the physical. And as that happens... There is no tolerance for lies and fear and fixations and contractions, which I've been calling your clutter. You know, so as you become more transparent, right, you know, we are in a process now really of clearing our clutter. In other words, just dissolving the fears that we've adhered to for so many millennia, you know. So that vertical transparency is the key thing. If we do that, then all the other kinds of transparency take care of themselves.
1: Well, you speak about the fear-based clutter, and I really liked how you named that. Um, And as you're speaking right now, I'm just feeling the word transparency because we're now living it globally, as you say, but I'm, I'm really feeling it as a young person in my family of origin and how... At some point in my 20s, I heard the phrase, secrets make you sick. Mm. And I remember thinking that my whole um, paradigm of reality had been very affected by secrets. Uh, A a very sad example was that my mother's cancer was named as a cold in the beginning, that she was sick with a cold. And so when I'm hearing the word transparency as you speak it, I'm getting in touch with a very personal relationship with that word, and then I'm struck by the intensity of how it is global, and we're now seeing it in this very public way. But I really think each of us must take it back to the foundation of our being and really ask, where is transparency in our own lives? where Where are we not facing it? Where are we hiding? Where are the secrets that make us mm-hmm. sick? And how can we rise? to a transparent reality individually?
2: I think it, I love that secrets make you sick thing. That is really true. Um, And um, how do I want to say this? I think that the acceleration on the planet is doing this to us, you know? it's, It's making us intolerant of things that are very low frequency. And anything associated with fear is low frequency. You know, it causes contractions of energy. It prevents the soul from flowing through the personality and through the body. It it creates blockages. So um, as we start to get it that we are vibrational beings, we're not solid like a rock. You know, we, we are energy beings and energy and consciousness are flip sides of the same thing. So we're actually made of the non-physical realm. That's our, our insides are non-physical, you know, and then that non-physical world materializes the physical in a parallel form. So whatever you hold, right, this is one of the key principles, whatever you hold in terms of your um, belief systems, your emotions, you know, that kind of thing, If, if you're not very fluid, if you're very fixated, um, your body may grow tumors, you know, or you may have, have accidents that prevent your movement. You may get paralyzed in some way or something, you know. But the physical form comes out of the non-physical inner, inner pattern, energy pattern, if you want to call it that. Um, so as we start identifying more as the soul, there, the soul doesn't know that fear exists Honestly, fear is not known in the spiritual world. That's an artifact of being physical. And so the more you identify as the soul, the less fear makes any sense to you. And you start to think, why did I ever believe in this? This is so silly. Why would I need a secret? You know, I'm fine the way I am. In fact, I like myself. And even if I've made mistakes, that's fine too. Everybody makes mistakes. So why not show myself to the world? Why not let people see me for all that I am? And you start to get into this. And then you, it's kind of like, I was going to have the subtitle of the book be the power of seeing through and being seen, because that's really what it is. You know, if you let yourself be seen, then you can start see, see through, seeing through the surface of anything, whether it's a problem or a person or a situation. You know, and so there's this whole thing that starts happening where everything becomes known. And and that's a good thing. <laughs> mm,
1: I want to go back to that statement because that really needs to be an incredible statement that we all put a post-it right next to our lives so we see it. Fear is not known in the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Fear is not known in the spiritual world, but we're living in such a fear-induced world. So just take that in, listeners, for a moment, that wherever the fear lives in your minds or your bodies or your emotions or your spiritual realm, it isn't meant to reside in you. It is not part of your spiritual world. So if you're feeling it and you're believing it, It isn't supposed to be there. So then how to get rid of it for many people, often when people come through my office, Penny, and I coach individuals, just yesterday, someone was speaking about, and I thought of this as you were talking about the body and getting sick and not really respecting this alignment. She was discussing her pneumonia and other parts of her physical body that had really shown up in a very upset way. And as we unpacked it, we really did get to the root, to the seed of what created the pneumonia. And it was absolutely fear-based thinking, fear-based thinking, Mm -hmm. creating that physical malady. And so talk a little bit more about that, the mind, the body, the spirit, how one may be screaming at you or the other may be knocking at your door. And if you don't
2: hear it, it will become a bang or a crash <laughs> or a thump. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I've, I sort of created the term um, the opaque reality for the, out of this book because there's a transparent reality we're heading to, but where we are now, we're living in this kind of opacity, really, this density. And that's caused by fear, where often, you know, with fear, you're talking to yourself from your left brain about what you don't have, what you can't do, what you aren't, you know, what's not possible, how you shouldn't change, you know, just trying to to maintain safety in a way because the left brain is based on being separate from the rest of the consciousness, you know, and so it fosters a a separatist view which causes fear. That's my theory anyway. Um, And so I think that as we start to work more with intuition and the right brain, and we start to see similarities and unity and interconnections and collective consciousness and how everything's like everything else and actually how we don't even have an outside world because that's an illusion of, of an imaginary boundary that really we're the whole unified field, you know. We come and go through it and take different focal lengths, you know, and um, so I think that. You know, we're trying to get out of this opacity, basically, because it, it really feels awful. When you realize that you have a choice, that you don't have to be contracted. And and I think that choice is coming to us now. It's more of a sense of, I don't like feeling stuck. That's what mm-hmm. I hear from all my clients. Like, I feel stuck. Mm-hmm. I'm in transition, and I don't know where I'm going. I can't move. Um, and so there's a motive under that. You know, that's the soul in there saying, it's time, let it go, dissolve the contractions, untwist the twists, you know, and free the energy that's been stored in those blocks so that it can be free to create new things. So I think my way of, of working a lot with, with clearing clutter is um, imagining, you know, if you can, you can even listen to the left brain and its negative declarative statements and then realize what reality that creates for you, how partial it is. Then take that statement away, and imagine another statement that's almost the opposite of that. Like, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a good dancer. Um, and so, okay, I never dance because of that because I hold that idea. Mm-hmm. Well, so what if I decided like dancing might be interesting? I think I might like to learn about just physical movement. Okay, well, that's a statement. It's not about being good or bad, but it allows energy to start flowing into the potential reality of dancing, you know. It cr- and it
1: creates an opening.
2: Yes, yeah, and and that removes the block right away. Yeah, and so a lot of times, like I was just talking to a woman who's starting to do sort of instantaneous healing, and um, she said, "Yeah, but I I, I don't feel like." I can do it. And I say, well, why don't you put yourself out there and look at your own body and see where the, you know, the physical problems are and imagine that they're just gone, you know, and then um, see what would come in if they were gone. You know, she was having trouble with her feet. So what if the feet didn't have any trouble and the energy was flowing freely through the feet? How would she move forward? What would she do? You know, and then she said, oh, that's a whole other reality. Yeah, this yeah is. Exactly. And, and, you, and it's all about imagining it really, you know, it's about allowing yourself to imagine and create from the imaginal realm, a, any kind of potential reality that lets you feel fun and good and, and more free than you were before. And I, wonder, I think sometimes healing anyway, just to sum that up is just, it's that simple sometimes is reverse your thinking. But also imagine it in a tactile way so that you can feel the reality that that other statement produces.
1: Well, I think simple is a really good word because it is often the excuses that one creates that makes it way more complicated than it really is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. I want to re- I want to read this to the listeners. It's it's sort of what you said just now, but it gives even a more exact idea about this opacity, which I love that word coming off of opaque to opacity. And Penny writes that opacity separates you from source, self and others. It's caused by fixed beliefs, ego, Unconscious fears, too much security via attachment and linear logical left brain perception, the distracted, uncentered mind, negative emotions and speech, control and victim behaviors, and even holding too tightly to your personal history and storyline. But it doesn't have to be this way. Each piece of clutter that is understood, released, and dissolved creates greater transparency, which takes us then to the brilliance of your title. But that is a great list of things that I actually feel it's all too common. I mean... How often do we feel the sense of ego is ruling, there's all this fear, and, and we're being manipulated. And really, again, that's so important for all the listeners to understand, not to do the shame blame to yourself if you felt yourself in that list, but to realize that a lot of it is being a manipulation tool. It's being given to you subliminally. In the culture, in the messaging, in the technology, and therefore just becoming aware of that is a wonderful first step.
2: That's it. It's becoming aware of these things that we inherit very unconsciously. It's almost like, you know, the way sound works with the body, it's resonance and like a tuning fork, you know, you get near a certain sound and then you match frequencies with it. I think we do that with. prevailing thought forms of a culture you know we just automatically kind of adapt ourselves to it so we can survive in it even though those ideas may be way far away from what we really understand at a deep level you know and uh, that's why a lot of people are going the world is crazy you know but they don't get it that hey wait a minute you bought into something that um, you don't really believe in so just start you know, putting forth your belief system that you really do align with, you know, take a stand for that. But, but getting back to the ego for a minute, um, I think the ego is tossed around a lot as a word, but it really is, to me, an over-fixation on the left brain. And the left brain, of course, is the analytical brain. It, it separates things out, defines things, make the, makes things meaningful, and we need it but it should not be the boss, you know. It should not, you know, constantly have to have proof and have safety and have, um, you know, everything analyzed and defined and and all of that. Of course, and and the left brain is always marked by language. If you're talking, pretty much, you're in your left brain, um, and the right brain then is the entrance into um, higher dimensional knowing. Really, it's that intuitive way of having direct knowing where everything exists all at once. It's an immersive experience of being part of the unified field and anything you need to know is there already. you don't you don't have to go get it and um, And so basically um, as you can move into that quieter part of your brain, you leave ego. Ego is the overuse of the left brain. You know, and then we identify with that, and put our identity involved in the left brain, and then we get really stuck. You know, so part of it is un- unraveling that. You know, why do you think that has such power in
1: our world? Like, why does ego trump soul in the world of um, hierarchical energies? Like. Yeah. Where where has this ego idea become? Where did it gain its fervent power? And soul got so left behind. Uh,
2: I think because it focuses on the physical reality, okay, and and that that's all we tend to see because the the spiritual reality is invisible mm. and it's not provable. You know, it's 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 subjective. And um, so the left brain wants security in in the physical world. It wants safety of the body. And a lot, I mean, really, it's a lot about, it becomes about protection, you know, walking the perimeter and making sure nothing bad happens. And um, so it then starts to think that it's the boss and it's going to control everything. And so then when you fixate on ego as identity, then you end up either as a dominator, narcissist kind of person who's always controlling the reality in order to feel safe, or you become a victim who uses passive-aggressive modalities to try to feel themselves and feel safe. You know, it's... there. Even, you know, victimization is a control game, too. Um, So the ego is always trying to control things in order to feel safe. Whereas... If you don't have fear, you don't need to control anything because they're already innate, universal principles operating, and they're very harmonious and they are very mutually supportive of all beings. When you start going in and feeling those directly, and you 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 have to go inside to do that. You know, you can't um, just always demonstrate it in the physical world. It has to come inside out, not outside yeah. in. And, um, but when you start feeling those things, then you start realizing, you know, maybe remembering the truth and the truth is the way spirit operates. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, like I said, it's mutually inclusive. It's supportive. It's compassion is the main motivating force and the evolutionary principle. And, um, you know, fear has no, it just literally does not exist. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't compute.
1: I almost think of, um, the idea of this, uh, ego versus spirit is like spirit is not defensive. And the word I think of with ego is it always feels so defensive to me. And, uh, us and them, me and you, mm-hmm. I am right, you are wrong. There is such a tonality of that.
2: It, it's polarized thinking. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: And so you see it in politics today, where as we start to move out of ego, we the, the old underlying polarized thinking comes to the surface. And you see, you know, all these kind of warlike behaviors are attacking and uh, you know, negating your predecessor because they weren't the same as you and, you know, supersede. Oh, my gosh. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, we, could, we could do 10 hours on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to jump into the idea of what a listener, let's say a listener wants to clear their clutter. Um, what What would be something that somebody could do? And what does that really mean if someone's really eager to do that? They're not sure how to do that but they want to do that.
2: Well, I think part of it is what I said before. is just reversing, finding the negative statement or the negative idea or the, the, the fixation and actually going into it, moving into it. Um, I think there are two ways you can do it just simply by reversing it and imagining the other reality and then choosing the other reality. And, and talking to yourself about how ridiculous it was that you were just fixated on this negative thing for so long that you don't even believe in, you know, and getting bored with it and letting it vaporize and go, or drilling down into the thing that um, is dense, you know, the contraction, kind of spiraling down into it and seeing where does it end? Where, what caused this thing here? And often you'll get to an early experience like a big dog barked in your face or something when you were two and now you're you know a perfectly capable adult and you don't have to be afraid of dogs but you still hold that idea viscerally and that you go down and find that idea and you go oh my god that's so silly you know why am I doing that let me let me have a new fresh look at dogs and see what you know how do they react maybe they maybe i came up into its face too fast before, you know, or something. And you you correct it, usually by understanding the vulnerability. Mm. And as soon as you can really understand it, what that does is it moves the whole perception into the heart, Mm. out of the head, into the heart. And as soon as you can feel that understanding and compassion, then it's like, You know, that poor little child that was so scared in there can unload. And then that just, it starts to unwind and it spirals out and you're not holding it anymore. A lot of the the fixations and clutter we have are because we're holding these things. We're withholding, we're holding forth, we're holding on, we're holding back. You know, and and, and not allowing flow. So when you stop holding... And making your life meaningful according to what you're afraid of, and how you do what, how you act to medicate yourself from those fears, you know, um, you know, then the energy ha- is given permission to start moving. And if you stay with the energy and watch, where what does it want to do next? Where does it want to go next? Maybe you clear, uh, you know, a blockage of having bad relationships with dominating people. And decide that you don't need to do that anymore. And all the energy you spent on that now can go into creating some new, you know, part of your career or something. Or bringing forth a new talent.
1: Yep. Yep. So going back to your example with your client, if someone says, I'm stuck... The clutter has to be cleared, and the way to get the clutter cleared is to understand it, which may take the guidance of someone else to help you, but to drop into it, to invite it, to take a seat at the table, understand it, decompose it, and open up space so that the stuck is no longer the reality.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that sometimes people are stuck and they have their explanations or excuses for why, right? And Mm -hmm. so you pick one of those, (laughs) you know, yeah, and then you tear it apart, go into it. Where did I get this? Who told me this? Where did I inherit this little wet blanket from? Do you know? Yeah. Who who used to believe this that taught me this? And say, wait a minute, this isn't even my idea. Yeah, it's
1: a Uh, fixed belief that was passed on to me. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, And you say, well, if it's not mine, why am I holding it? So what Mm. if I gave up holding it and let it go and didn't even make it meaningful to myself anymore? What would I be free to be? How would I use that energy? And then, but you've got to use your imagination. Yeah.
1: Oh, Penny, wait, that's such a great phrase. If it's not mine, why am I holding it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) again, that right there is such a great takeaway. Like, if it's not mine, why am I holding it? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And boy, that can apply to anything in one's world that is not theirs, that they're holding. I love that. I want to go back to secrets because we just tapped that lightly. And Mm. I think that one of the things that I'm aware of more often than not is lying that is not considered lying. It's really a secret um, or it's turned into something else because of all the presumptions one may make about the truth. So I want you to talk a little bit, if you would, please, about the difference between a secret and being mysterious or rewiring a lie to be something
2: other than a lie. (laughs) Ooh, Um, I do draw a a distinction between secrets and mysteries in the book. Um, You know, I think a secret is something that is fear-based you know, that you, you keep it from others because if they were to know it about you, um, you would be in danger somehow. You know, you would be feel threatened. Um, but a mystery is something that's actually spiritually based. It is part of the collective unconscious that we haven't discovered yet. There's something about us that lies just beyond our, our level of consciousness, that is the next level of ourselves, or the next level of our understanding of life, and we're always hungry for that. You know, to find what that that mystery really is, and once you get that level, then there's another level. You know, it's like it's evolution in a way. You know, um, so to me, mysteries are about growth, secrets are about withholding, and if you can free them. They, they bring in a lot of energy that was not being used in a, in a proactive way, let's say, um, that you can then turn toward creativity or joy or celebration or whatever you want. Um, so I make that distinction.
1: It's a really good one. And what I wonder is, do you think that most hold a secret because they're afraid of the reactivity of speaking it or
2: living it or saying it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're afraid of rejection, judgment, um, which if you take, you know, why are they afraid of these things? If he goes all the way down, it's about abandonment and then isolation and then annihilation. You know, if I'm alone and I get rejected by everybody, I'm somehow going to just be annihilated, which is ridiculous because you can't not be here you know you can't not exist I, even if you die you're still in another another frequency of life do you know so um, you know I think that uh, I, maybe secrets come from this idea of avoiding pain mm. and yet if secrets do
1: make you sick which I think they do mm-hmm. the pain is much more profound without unearthing that secret. Right. Even if the reactivity is unpleasant, you must still take it out of yourself because it doesn't belong there.
2: Right. Well, certainly a secret is a a contraction. Yeah. And um, contractions cause illness. That's one part of it. But also, it gets more complicated because secrets also deny other people the ability to know all of you when you hide part of yourself in a way you're sort of in this choice to not show yourself very much in the world and then you try to cover up for the the place where you feel vulnerable and act in the opposite way and then you've got a mask or some other thing that's covering over the real you and if you just dropped it all and let yourself you know know what you know and and be who you are You know, it's so much more joyful and effortless. However, I think there are times where, when you decide what to say, you might not, it might not be appropriate to say certain things to certain people because it would be very hurtful. Um, And so it's not that that's a white lie, but it's, I don't know, it's like just something that doesn't necessarily have to be wielded as honesty some people are bluntly honest and and that is not compassionate so i think mm-hmm. compassion has to rule rule us it mm-hmm. rules over our communication our self-expression it's about appropriateness in each moment you know so at a certain point in someone's life you might want not want to tell them that you have a different father than they do or something, you know, and and then later on, when they're more stable, you might say that and have a conversation about it. But, you know, you have to use your intuition, I think, on a lot of these things. So, let me just
1: repeat that back because I know I'm often told that I'm very direct, but I feel like I have such a big heart that I want to think that my directness is compassionate, but Perhaps it isn't received that way. So maybe just talk a little deeper about being honest, being direct, having compassion, and intuitively knowing the timing. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it, is the timing of the directness. Yeah, okay.
2: I think I just felt it. It's it's partly about reading people. It's like, what's the Bible say? Don't throw pearls before swine. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't give people more than you sense and this is a, a big intuitive skill of reading like a kind of a matching, a, a c- capability for matching. Like um, some people are just not going to get what I'm talking about in my books at all yet. They're not ready. So when I get around those people, I can barely talk. You know, you know it's really no. weird. I just, there's no, no sense of connection. So the words don't come out. <laughs> and... Um, uh, and then other times there are senses of intuitions, like um, I could say this, but maybe I'll phrase it differently, uh, make it a little easier to understand, and and I get that right in the second of when it's coming out, or maybe um, this can wait till later, you know. And so that is a is a an intuitive um, sensitivity to maybe it's to resonance, you know, to what resonates. And what, what could actually be useful to connect um, material-wise. So, but honesty, I think, is so incredibly valuable because I, I connect honesty with humility. Mm-hmm. And humility, to me, is not that ide- old idea of I'm less than or I'm going to not be, have any pride or not you know, let myself be you know, get in the way. It's, it, to me, it's a statement of truth about who you are in any given moment. What's really real for me right now? You know, and, and then as you change, then that statement changes. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's about being real, actually, yeah. to me. And, um, and you don't lock yourself into, I'm always this way. You let yourself adapt to each situation in each, each moment.
1: To yeah. remain fluid.
2: Yes, to remain fluid.
1: Yes. When you're saying all of this, my brain is going. Um, it's it's not all left. It's it's somewhat spherical because it feels also like a really strong message of self trust, which you I know call radical trust, a term that um, how it, it trust radical trust self trust it all connects with transparency. Yes. yes would you agree with that and and if so can you elaborate on that
2: Yeah hugely i think um, in order to have transparency first you have to really trust your own self first you have to really get that you are the soul that you know and that soul is a, is connected to everything that's love based compassion based and wisdom based you know it is always on your side it never says should you know and that is who you really are in the core of yourself. And our job right now is letting it out and making a, a clear you know, vehicle so that it can radiate without any interference. So first you have to get that that's true and you have to trust that that's true and then you have to watch and feel your soul expressing and trust everything that comes up for you that you notice I call that, you know, working, noticing what you notice and trusting that it's there. You notice things for a good reason. But these are things that you, the soul, want you, the personality, to become aware of. Um, so, so trusting your own perception in a way, you know, how the soul brings things through to the mind. And that can be, it's not just good stuff. I mean, it can be problems, You know, why am I having these snags this week? You know, like I noticed um, I was feeling very irritable a couple weeks ago, Um, just getting angry at at people overcharging me in stores or whatever it was and stupid stuff. Um, And then I finally sat down and I thought, wait a minute, I had this same thing right before Mount St. Helens blew years ago when Mm -hmm. I was in California. And as soon as the volcano went off, it went away. And I I started thinking, I wonder if there's going to be some kind of big events happening that I'm already, you know, picking up on, like earthquakes or, um, you know, explosions or volcanoes or something. And then, of course, we had the Las Vegas shooting and the fires in California. And and then it calmed down, you know. So uh, I was sort of showing myself, I think, that... There was something happening in the big field around me. It's not all personal. You know, sometimes you, you're picking up on energy information that is a collective in nature. Um, but I don't I, like,
1: uh, but yeah. wait, I have to ask, how do you keep that from becoming fear-based? Because if I think that my frequency is picking something up, that could be like Mount St. Helen blowing, I'm going to start feeling a little bit more nervous about what I'm picking
2: up. That's where a trust comes back in again. Ah, Okay. (laughs) Where you go, okay, okay, the, the flow is flowing. The flow knows what it's doing. If it needs to have a few volcanoes go off and release energy out of the whole system and move energy around that's been stuck. Okay, great. If we need a great big storm to blow through and wreck, you know, houses and, and people need to have the love of other people helping them. Maybe that's that. Maybe um, you have your house burned down and you a whole bunch of people need to open up and have a clean slate and start fresh and, and be an example of that to the world. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But the way I do it is I don't go into the fear over it. I look and see what is the, the process trying to do? What is the evolutionary process doing with these mass events that then are seen worldwide. They're like dream symbols. And, of course, I'm still very (laughs) caring about the people who are going through it because they are, you know, struggling. You know, and if I feel like I want to give money or go help or whatever, then I do that, you know, case-by-case basis, though.
1: So that's a full circle of fear to trust. I love how you just did that because that gave me comfort to realize that whatever's trying to move through is going to need to move through. That's right. Yeah. And no resistance is going to change it,
2: help it, or keep it from coming through. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, the trust thing, you know, is radical trust to me is that you give your wholehearted commitment to trust yourself the soul you trust and the soul is connected to all souls you know at a higher level of ourselves we are the collective so the flow itself to me is all souls evolving all beings evolving together and helping each other evolve so i trust the flow i trust the soul i trust the collective you know, I trust the way events materialize. I trust the way meanings come to me. Every single kind of trust and everything I can trust, I choose to trust it. I even trust when people tell me that they're untrustworthy. <laughs> you know, mm. like and people will tell, show you that. They'll tell you almost right away. So then don't give too much to them because they're telling you that they can't handle it. Uh, yep.
1: Right? Is, this what, is this what you mean by the convening?
2: No, not exactly. The convening um, to me is a thing about frequency, that when you live in your own home frequency, which is the soul in the body vibration, right? It's like when you integrate and you run that frequency through your body, your mind, your emotions, and then out through the field around you, and you let your field expand to include other beings or anything, um, then... And you you keep that saturated with the way your preferred state. At that point, then the kind of people that show up in your life start to change. Mm -hmm. And you don't get, you know, when you're in fear, you're in partial clarity. So you get other people who are partially clear or who match your fears. But as you clear fear, you get people who are also cleared of their fear. And you start to get a feeling of your soulmate, soul mates, soul friends, soul family, suddenly emerging out of your field. They don't even get attracted because there, there's no outside world to be attracted from. They just show up out of the field as though suddenly, oh, here are these people that are on my wavelength. Oh, and we all want to do a project together and all the puzzle pieces fit together perfectly. And so this convening of, the like-mindedness or the like frequencies or vibrations, I think is happening quite a bit right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's being called community and it's the same um, Mm -hmm. idea of finding those soul friends. I love the term soul friends (laughs) and soul mates. And I do think that then there is this rich trust, understanding and as you say it, transparency. I I mean, the the word transparency has just got so much good energy all around it because it pulls together these larger ideas that we all are craving right now if we're not living in them. And Mm -hmm. in order to live in them, you must do this work to get there, and then you do get there, and it's incredible.
2: I think we have to give up resignation. You know, we're sort of programmed to be resigned to live in the, you know, the cultural, um, the opaque reality that we inherit as when we come into this world. And and then that makes us depressed, you know, because it's not the truth. We know it's not the truth. So if we give up resignation, and then we don't have to fight either. You don't have to resist. You don't have to fight. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be apathetic. You can just start to create a different reality that, that comes out of your own, um, not beliefs, but your own truth, you know, that, that matches what you know to be true about the way life really works. And the more you do that, the more the physical world actually does behave like the spiritual world, which is amazing. You know, you get instantaneous results. You have genius coming through, you have synchronicities, people just show up to help you, you show up to help them. Um, There's not that that sense of greed or hoarding or, you know, all those fear-based things. You know, if you had trust, it would be okay to tell the truth about yourself and not to have to, I mean, when I look at politics and how everybody's like trying to keep the truth from emerging by attacking everybody. You know, it's um, but exhausting.
1: It's, it's exhausting, exhausting, but
2: it's also part of the clearing process that this is so, becoming so visible and evident
1: mm-hmm. that
2: it can now be um, swept up and cleaned up. You know, it's it, it's it can't last which reminds
1: me of that great curtain in The Wizard of Oz, you know, when they pull back the curtain and there's the little dweeb sitting there. And it's like, what? All this fear, all these moments of terror because of this little guy? Yeah. Oh my
2: word. Yeah. Wow. Reboot. <laughs> Time to reboot. <laughs> that's that's really it, I think. If that's the old the old little ego self, you know. Learning to take its rightful place, which is to help implement things that we access from the right brain, you know, from that great, wonderful, imaginal realm that has every possibility there and uh, no limits. Yeah, yeah. Penny,
1: as a pioneer in the intuition development movement, can you share your visionary dream about
2: transparency
1: and being transparent
2: Yeah, um, I've actually had two kinds of things. One was where I was um, sitting up in bed at night, one night, and I couldn't sleep. And I uh, had turned on the light by the bed, and I breathed in or something, and the room disappeared. And I was there as a ball of light floating in space, nothing below me. I could kind of see the furniture and everything had a a light um, blueprint underneath it. It wasn't exactly shaped like furniture, but there was light clustered around and then as i exhaled or inhaled or whatever the room came back and then it went away again with every other breath and i was just like rocking in and out of the you know the non-physical light world and the physical world and i had the same consciousness through through the whole thing nothing changed that was very powerful but the dream i think you're talking about is it is in the end of the book here um where and this was quite a while ago, I dreamed I was out holding, I was camping with my mother on little plastic lawn chairs out somewhere. We had to stay in this spot for quite a while to hold the energy. Meanwhile, I have a book and I'm reading about um, what's going to be happening in in the earth. And it's made of little dots of like purple and blue and yellow dots. And as I read through the page, the dots start spinning and I see energy moving through the dots like oil, through gears. You know, the whole thing was like all these gears. And I said, oh, I see. It says right here it's not going to be so bad. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> um, "I said, look, there's some cosmic event happening way out in the universe. And the energy is going to start moving from this event through in different ways. And it will eventually come to us. And it will not be like a photon belt or anything like that. But it's going to change The frequency on the planet really intensely Um, and what will happen is that um, oh and I didn't go that far so then um, the scene changes and so and and the part of the the um, the energy coming in was a good thing so then it changes and I'm standing with this man who's a healer and he's been working on the east coast and of course I'm in California at this time and he's dressed in a business suit. And he said, you know, those suits are really solid. Like it's really hard to get through to through their minds because they're so stuck in their left brain. And I said, yeah, I know. And he looked over at me and he said, well, you're right on schedule. And I looked hmm. down and my left arm was totally transparent all hmm. up to my shoulder. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's right. We're supposed to become transparent. Huh. And... um. And then suddenly this whole thing came back to me that there was going to be this experience or event that was called the void. And in order to survive the void, you had to become like the void. In other words, transparent. And what transparency meant was that you had to not hold on to anything. No identity, no fixations at all. Just be totally fluid and adaptable and totally in the moment because what was going to happen was that time would stop or our perception of linear time would stop and we would blink out into the non-physical world and then that's when this huge influx of energy would come and we would blink back into the physical world but if we were too fixated we wouldn't be able to integrate the energy and either we wouldn't come back or a lot of people might die or something something would happen to a lot of people who were Um, not fluid. But the others who were transparent wouldn't know really anything had even happened. And they would come back in to the physical world, but it would be a different physical world. It would be a much higher frequency reality, almost like suddenly the worlds were bifurcating and there would be two Earths parallel with each other, but at slightly different frequencies. And the people who died... Uh, would reincarnate immediately into this other planet that was more their own vibration. So nothing would be lost, and it was not a tragedy. But I realized I'd been living all my lifetimes in recent history to be able to go through this thing, and now it was happening in our lifetime. And I had seen it like in the future, in the dream, it was like off in the distance, kind of like around 20, maybe it was 2012 to 2020 or something in there. And I realized it wasn't actually happening in physical time all at once. It happened in the non-physical realms. But it would take time to filter in over, you know, linear time. Wow. So yeah. And and uh but I re- I remember like, how could I have possibly forgotten about this? Because Uh-oh.
1: it was so Thank exciting. God you thank God you didn't, <laughs> because now we have this book and I just want everyone to get this book. It is so incredible and interesting, very helpful for all of you out there, wherever you may live. And again, the name of the book is Transparency, Seeing Through to Our Expanded Human Capacity. And the incredible Penny Pierce is spelled P-E-N-N-E-Y-P-E-I-R-C-E. And pennypierce.com is a great source to also have. I am honored to share this time with you, Penny Pierce. I so appreciate your vision and what you bring to us and the fact that you give us incredible language to really understand what it means that each of us is the vessel to our own human healing and potential. So thank you for that. You help us realize that each of us, you complete you, we complete each other. This is the only way to live now. And thank you for the language.
2: Oh, thank you. I I enjoy working with you and talking with you so much, so I'm glad to be back with you again.
1: It is mutual, Penny Pierce. Have a beautiful day.
2: You too.
0: Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us live again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin.